here to talk a little bit about law. I am joined on the line now by the chip guru herself and defense lawyer with Acumen Law, Kyla Lee. Kyla, thanks so much for coming on again. Thank you for having me. I guess I should provide a little background here. So you started this uh, chip channel, and I just wanted to get you to, to re, re uh, say your advice here one more time. What were these crab chips that you said we're discussing? Oh, they're Ukrainian crab chips. Don't eat them. Crab is not a good flavor for a chip. Yeah, okay. I just wanted to get that out there. So if you guys are curious about, uh, you know, what chips are good to try, you can check out Kyla's new YouTube channel. It's, uh, it's quite fun. All right, well... That aside, let's get into some news here. Um, we'll talk a little bit about coronavirus first, because this was something that I was kind of interested in when you brought it up. Um, the p possibility of being able to sue, I guess, for, for negligence or something along those lines, um, as a result of people not properly testing themselves if they show symptoms or not declaring a trip to China. Um, you know, just what, what do you see as a possibility here moving forward as, you know, of course, uh, the general population seems to go crazier and crazier over this uh, coronavirus and COVID-19. Is there a possibility that legal action could be coming from individuals as a result of this? I think so. Uh, you know, we're seeing now more and more cases that are being identified where people don't have a connection themselves to somebody who has either traveled to one of the coronavirus outbreak locations or had contact with somebody who's a known case of coronavirus. And the, the problem in those cases is that they likely received it from somebody who was in the community who had not declared either their travel to those locations or their symptoms and had proper testing. And if a person falls ill as a result of the negligence of another person in not taking appropriate steps in light of what is a you know world public health crisis, then they may have a cause of action against that individual if they're ultimately identified as the person who caused them to to develop that illness. Now, would this go from what you said there? It sounds to me like it would be an individual. You'd sue an individual person for um, you know not properly taking the steps to make sure that they are indeed healthy. Or, or at least not infected with coronavirus. But, you know, is there, I guess, a possibility that you would see something beyond just an individual? Like maybe, um, you know, if you're at work and there's someone at work who uh, gets sick but is still continuing to come into work and it affects the office. I mean, could you be looking at suing a, a potential company over something like that as well? Absolutely. Companies have an obligation to protect their employees and staff members. And so if an employer sees somebody who's ill and who's exhibiting symptoms of an illness that's similar to the symptoms of, of COVID-19, um, that employer has a responsibility to protect the workplace and to ensure that that employee goes, gets tested, and doesn't return to work until they're, until they're asymptomatic. And if that's not happening, then uh, people could potentially have a lawsuit against their employers. If doctors who are treating individuals who come into their clinics with symptoms are not recommending that they get tested and not having them tested, then those doctors could potentially potentially be liable as well in uh, in medical negligence lawsuits for not taking appropriate steps in light of this of this health crisis. Well, I really hope it doesn't get to that point, but I guess, you know, just as things get are more and more, um, you know, uh, worrisome and, and people are, are around the world getting more and more concerned about this as a possibility and, and a global health crisis, uh, I, do, I do fear that this could be something that comes up a little more often, but hopefully not. Hopefully everyone can get healthy and we can kind of move past this whole thing soon, but I don't know if that's going to happen. 
Um, wanted to move on here to some some driving stuff as well. Um, first thing I wanted to talk about was the situation out of Fox Creek, uh, where a 58 year old woman, you know, she she smokes a pack a day, has COPD, likely as a result of her smoking habit, uh, was unable to provide a breath sample due to her medical condition when she was pulled over for really no real reason. Uh, she was asked to provide a breath sample because cops don't need reasonable suspicion to request one anymore. Uh, she tries um, a number of times, but was unable to uh, provide a sufficient breath sample and eventually charged with refusing to comply with the breath demand. Well, this is something we have talked about a number of times here, Kyla, but, um, you know, this just, is this becoming more and more and more common where these people who are, you know, suffering from medical conditions just can't provide a proper breath sample and, you know, are getting charged as a result? This is becoming incredibly common. And the reason for it is that now police have this power to demand a sample from anybody at any time, um, which means that they're not doing the screening that they would otherwise do with drivers to determine those who have actually been drinking versus people who are sick or who have other reasons why they may appear to be uh, to be the, the way that they are. Um, and you also have the lack of an opportunity for officers to really engage with drivers. Um, you know, you get a sense if somebody has a breathing problem in conversation with them because their breathing can become labored through having that type of discussion. But because police are just jumping to demanding the sample, they're not getting that sense. And they're treating now every single case of unsuccessful attempts to provide a sample as a deliberate refusal, even in the face of serious medical conditions like COPD. So what do you have for recommendations for individuals who have these kinds of conditions? I guess, is it a matter of making sure you always have proof of your condition in your vehicle in case something like this were to happen? As absurd as that sounds, yes, that is probably your best course of action because you can show the officer, look, here's my medical record, Here, here's proof that I have this breathing disorder. I'm not somebody who's, who's not providing a successful sample uh, deliberately. Um, and it's one of the rare occasions where I would say to somebody, you know, if you do suffer from this condition, assert that to the officer at the time. And usually my advice is never tell anything to the police. But in this type of a situation, if you don't want to walk away facing the consequences immediately, that's really the only thing that you can do to try and protect yourself against this this police action that is otherwise going to be taken against you. Yeah, because I don't really feel like there's really much of an option. In this particular case, that woman did have her charges eventually dropped after being able to prove in court that she suffered from COPD, and that's why she was unable to provide an adequate breast sample. But, like, she, she went about trying to provide a blood sample, which is not allowed, so they wouldn't accept that, which, you know, makes sense, I guess, to some degree. But, you know, there's really no other course of action that anyone can take, right? If you don't provide a proper breast sample, then what else can you do to prove that your innocence other than having their medical uh, condition uh, proof of it with you? And it's really unfortunate that this had to go all the way to court for this to be determined in this case. It shouldn't have taken that long. It would have been preferable if in this circumstance, um, you know, that information, there was a process where that medical information could be provided to police really quickly right after the incident, you know, a letter from a doctor or something to that effect to try and stop these charges before they get to court. Because not only does that cost her time and money, it also costs our justice system time and money with the matter being scheduled in court taking up time of a judge, time of a prosecutor, witnesses having to prepare for, for court. All of those costs could have been avoided had there been a system in place. And when the government passed this law, they knew that this was likely going to happen in some cases. So they could have put a system in place when they put the law into effect to protect from situations like this. And they didn't. And it's completely unfair. 
Now, speaking of cases that, you know, went through court and took a long time, and, you know, you, you said uh, uh, needlessly in this last case, really, that it went to court be, based on the whole situation of what happened. But there was a recent case here off the island near Langford uh, where a man was charged with uh, speeding, uh, where he was trying to pass a slow-moving uh, tour bus that was on a single-lane stretch of highway. He had a brief opportunity in a passing lane to make the pass. Uh, as he went to do so, a truck came up behind him, and, uh, you know, he felt the need to speed up even further in order to not get rear-ended, and then eventually you know, made the safe maneuver back into the right lane, but was then pulled over for speeding. Um, now, this case has eventually been dismissed, but it took quite a while. I guess, you know, in this case, was this a matter of a man sticking to his story and, and you know, the fact that he did so made him a credible witness, which allowed this charge to be dropped? This was uh, in part that the court in the decision here recognized that um, that this individual had stuck to his story, that he presented as credible. There was nothing to suggest that his version of events wasn't accurate, and his perception of the situation was really what was the deciding factor in this case at the end of the day, not the police officer's perception of the situation. Yeah, and I guess it was kind of felt that uh, basically there, there was a need in this situation to break the law temporarily in order to make sure that he remains safe, breaking that driving law and going a little bit above the speed limit. Um, you know, is that is that a difficult um, defense to take to say that, you know, I, I had to do this in order to, to make sure I was safe? It is a difficult defense to mount because you have to prove not only that you perceived that there was an imminent threat to your, you know, to your life or your safety, but also um, that uh, there was no reasonable legal alternative available to you and that the actions you took were proportional to the harm that you caused. So the momentary speeding um, was proportionally better than the, you know, potential of being involved in a collision on the Malahat um, and the idea that there was no reasonable legal alternative because there was no way to move into the other lane and get out of the way of this vehicle that was approaching quickly from behind also supported this defense. So to make out this defense, you actually have to have a lot of evidence to explain why you made a decision that you made, often in a split-second situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely, uh, it was interesting to, to read through the, the, the uh, decision itself and just sort of how it was eventually uh, ruled that, you know, he had to do what he had to do in order to remain safe, but it was a long process and uh, uh, definitely, uh, I think, a learning moment for a lot of drivers to make sure that you have a story, you stick to it, and, and not just that, you make it up, but, you know, if you are in that situation that, uh, you know, you, you do what you need to do to, to not get rear-ended, not get killed, and make sure everyone's aware of what happened. Uh, we're pretty much That's out of time here, Kyla. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but thank you so much for coming on. As always, always appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, we'll do this again uh, next week. All right, thank you. Awesome. That was Acumen Laws, Kyla Lee.